Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. A dark money group tied to Hillary Clinton reportedly pressuring Twitter advertisers while Democrats debate whether Elon Musk's takeover should be investigated. A former Democratic representative made surprising remarks about a border wall between the U.S. and Mexico and the first illegal immigrant bus from Texas arrived in Philadelphia. A bill advancing same-sex marriage is one step closer to becoming law. Concerns are growing over its threat to religious liberty. That's despite the bill's amendment said to protect First Amendment rights. We bring you some analysis. Chinese Communist regime leader Xi Jinping confronts Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the G20 summit. Find out what he said to the Canadian Prime Minister. A top Republican senator reacts to President Biden's meeting with China's Xi Jinping. We'll bring you what he says about the meeting and about the Chinese Communist regime. Democrats are debating whether Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter poses a national security threat and whether the deal should be investigated. But Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says there's no basis for investigation. And today's Jessica Beatty has more. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says she sees no reason to investigate Elon Musk's Twitter deal. This after President Biden said the deal was worth being looked at from a national security standpoint. Worthy of being looked at. Concerns are some of the financing for the deal came from foreign investors from Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Although Saudi Prince Al-Walid bin Talal, a famous investor, has long been a shareholder in Twitter. Some worry that these foreign investors could influence Twitter content or access Twitter data. Yellen's department has authority to investigate acquisitions involving foreign investment. As for Musk's Twitter deal, Yellen told CBS Tuesday, I'm not sure precisely what the president had in mind, but we have really no basis, to the best of my knowledge, to examine his finances of his company. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy disagrees. He tweeted, We need to ask, why did the Saudis partner with Musk on this purchase? Why didn't they take their money out like other owners? What access do they have to data? What say do they have on content? We contacted the Treasury Department for comment. Meanwhile, a dark money group linked to Hillary Clinton is reportedly pressuring Twitter advertisers. Fox Business reports that a group called Accountable Tech sent a letter to top Twitter advertisers. It demanded that they keep track of public figures who are removed from the platform, ensure algorithmic accountability, and stay committed to research transparency. Or stop doing business with Twitter. Accountable Tech officially partnered with Hillary Clinton's nonprofit called Onward Together in December 2020. The president of Capital Research Center, Scott Walter, told Fox Business, These groups are cancel culture incarnate, mixing left-wing advocacy with Democratic Party politics. He said Americans of all political stripes should fear for their freedom if these front groups and their billionaire backers can bully Twitter. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. NTD reached out to Accountable Tech and Onward together for comment, but didn't immediately hear back. A well-known Democrat made surprising remarks about the border wall this week. This comes as the first bus of illegal immigrants from Texas arrived in Philadelphia. Former Democratic Congressman Harold Ford Jr. from Tennessee talked with Fox News about immigration and the border wall when he said this. I've been a proponent, I mean, I've been criticized by my own party because I think we should build a wall. He later went on to propose changes to the immigration system that might be more appealing to Democrats. And we have to reform this asylum process. We need workers in this country. And we we need not only American workers, we're going to need workers from outside this country. And there has to be a process to help do that. Ford says the work visa system should also be reformed because foreign workers are key to our economy. His statements come as the first illegal immigrant bus from Texas arrived in Philadelphia on Wednesday. Advocates say the 28 people on the bus came from Colombia, the Dominican Republic and Cuba and were welcomed with coats and blankets. Similar to other leaders of sanctuary cities that received illegal immigrants from Texas, Philadelphia's mayor blamed and criticized Texas Governor Greg Abbott. The mayor, however, says the city is ready. Those who arrive today are private individuals simply seeking safety and a place where they can build a future. Let's remember that and welcome them with grace and respect. He added that the city has been preparing for the migrants' arrival for a few months now. And Massachusetts Governor Charlie Barker was asked what he thought about the arrival of illegal immigrants in Martha's Vineyard. According to the governor, 
Those stunts don't solve anything, and it's necessary to make sure that people coming to the U.S. are allowed to work. There are certain groups, and it's a small number, who can actually get a work permit while they're processing their paperwork associated with their asylum status, right? But a bunch of the folks who've been coming to Massachusetts aren't in those narrow groups. He added that lawmakers in D.C. should find a way to solve that problem. And senators have agreed to end debate and advance a same-sex marriage bill. The bill would not force all states to legalize gay marriage, but it would require states to recognize other states' legal marriages. We get some analysis on how this bill would impact hiring practices, faith organizations, and pregnancy centers. We're joined by Ryan Helfenbein, the executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center. It's great to have you on the show today, Ryan. Hey, great to be on. The Senate on Wednesday had a test vote on the bill that would protect same-sex marriage. It got 62 votes in favor, which is enough to break a filibuster. What impact would this bill have on religious liberty? Well, I think it would have a tremendous, devastating effect on religious liberty in this country. It is the biggest frontal assault to religious liberty in America to date. Uh, it, we, we cannot uh, overemphasize how bad it would be for nonprofits uh, or Christian organizations, even businesses that are privately held by Christian owners, Jewish uh, or even Muslim. So I want to include everyone. Many faiths would be uh, in jeopardy for their religious liberty on the issue of traditional marriage, which has been around for thousands of years, actually since the dawn of time, um, that would all be in jeopardy because of the quote unquote respect for Marriage Act in this country. So Ryan, if this bill does get traction here, what is what is something that we can expect in terms of the hiring practices for these Christian organizations or businesses like you're mentioning? Well, for, first of all, they would have to acknowledge the codification of same-sex marriage, but think about a, a nonprofit, a Christian organization like a K through 12 school, like an adoption agency, or even a crisis pregnancy center that you would think, well, how would that be somebody that would be targeted? If it, it, many crisis pregnancy centers, by the way, outnumbering um, uh, abortion clinics in this country three to one, uh, would actually be open to litigation and civil action suits in order to shut them down simply because they do not want to acknowledge same-sex marriage. Uh, I call it, as a Christian, same-sex mirage. It's not actually uh, the traditional definition of marriage, which has been instituted by God, one man and one woman. But if you're an adoption agency, consider this, the fact that uh, a same-sex couple could go to a Christian adoption agency and compel them by this act uh, to, to basically uh, you know, uh, foster a child for adoption uh, to a, to a same-sex couple, compelling them against their will and what they believe would be a happy, health and healthy and safe environment for a child. So it has widespread sweeping uh, implications uh, that will result in a lot of a lot of litigation across the country. So, Ryan, you touched on adoption centers, crisis pregnancy centers. For example, I want to talk about the amendment that's being proposed in this bill here. Senator Tom Tillis, a Republican of North Carolina, talked about the amendment protecting religious freedoms in the bill. He said it protects Americans' First Amendment rights. Can you explain this amendment for us and how it would have any impact? What they're trying to say is First Amendment rights in terms of freedom of worship and how it would apply to regular Christian organizations like churches. The problem, though, is Hobby Lobby, for example. Uh, Chick-fil-A is another example. These are, these are long-standing corporations that are privately held by Christian owners. They would be compelled as a business in order to adopt this practice and this standard against their own will. So that's, that is where I'm I, where the rubber meets the road. Uh, churches might be exempt in the in the interim or in the short run period from not having to perform a same-sex wedding, but the issue comes down to small mom and pop businesses, Main Street USA, I think of Master Cake Bake Shop uh, in Colorado and others like it. They would absolutely be mowed down, completely steamrolled by this. And Ryan, thank you so much for breaking down how this impacts the private sector as well as religious institutions. Ryan Helfenbein, the executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center, it was great to speak with you today. Hey, thank you very much.
former Vice President Mike Pence has ruled out testifying before the House January 6th committee, saying Congress has no right to his testimony and highlighting the country's separation of powers. Congress has no right to my testimony because under the Constitution of the United States, as Vice President, we had two co-equal branches of government. The Congress doesn't report to the White House. The White House doesn't report to the Congress. And I, I truly do believe in defense of the separation of powers and to avoid what would be a terrible precedent, the very notion of a committee on Congress, in Congress, summoning a vice president to speak about deliberations that took place at the White House, I think would violate that separation of powers. And I think it would erode um, the dynamic of the office of president and vice president for many years to come. Pence made the announcements during a CNN town hall meeting, but he made similar comments on CBS's Face the Nation. He further raised concern about the partisan nature of the Democrat-led committee investigating the Capitol breach. He said at the beginning, the investigation seemed like, in his words, an opportunity to examine every aspect of what happened on January 6th and to do so more in the spirit of the 9-11 Commission. But he says that opportunity was lost. Pence stressed that he never prevented his staffers from appearing before the committee. The new comments reverse Pence's earlier stance of a willingness to testify. The chair and the vice chair of the January 6th panel responded, saying Pence is misrepresenting the nature of the investigation while, quote, giving interviews to promote his new book. Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping publicly confronted Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau yesterday in person. He criticized him over alleged leaks of their closed-door meeting at the G20 summit. That's a rare public display of annoyance by Xi, and it's caught on video. Everything we discussed is then leaked to the paper. That's not appropriate. And that's not how the way the conversation was conducted. If there is, if there is sincerity on your part, free and open and frank dialogue, and that is what we will continue to have. We will continue to look to work constructively together, but there will be things we will disagree on, and we will have Let's create the conditions first. Xi's allegations likely stem from reports that Trudeau brought up serious concerns about alleged spying and Chinese interference in Canadian elections in closed-door meetings. Neither the Chinese foreign ministry, state media, nor Canadian authorities said anything about the talks, but Trudeau confirmed points he had made to the media. That highlights tensions between the countries, which can be traced back to 2018. That's when China conducted tit-for-tat arrests in response to Canada's detention of Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou. Just on Monday, an employee at Hydro-Quebec in Canada was arrested and charged with trying to steal trade secrets for China. And Canada ordered three Chinese companies to divest their investments in Canadian critical minerals this month. They cited national security. The Chinese regime encourages Western countries to have closed-door discussions. In the video, you can hear Xi say, otherwise there might be unpredictable consequences. In the video, Trudeau says Canada believes in free and open dialogue. Western countries have had many rounds of private talks with China with regards to human rights, but it hasn't had any effect. China does not want pressure from public opinion, especially when it comes to the ongoing persecution of faith groups in China. Senator Marco Rubio is reacting to the Monday meeting between President Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping. He criticized Biden, saying he, quote, dangerously misunderstands the Chinese Communist Party. In a statement Monday, Senator Marco Rubio said that President Biden's remarks during the meeting with Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping, quote, proves that this administration dangerously misunderstands the CCP, which openly pushes for conflict with the United States and its allies. Here's the statement by Biden that Rubio was referring to. I absolutely believe there need not be a new Cold War. We, uh, I've met, met many times with Xi Jinping, and we were candid and clear with one another across the board. And I do not think there's any imminent attempt on the part of China to invade Taiwan. Rubio also reacted to Biden's remarks on Taiwan, saying, quote, 
Not only is the United States unprepared to defend Taiwan against a PLA invasion, President Biden is now downplaying its likelihood. And during the meeting with Xi, Biden said he's willing to work with Xi on issues such as climate and food insecurity. As the leaders of uh, our two nations, we share responsibility, in my view, to show that China and the United States can manage our differences, prevent competition from becoming anything ever near conflict. The senator criticized Biden for not using the meeting to hold the CCP accountable for human rights abuses and IP theft. He commented that Biden pursued ill-fated climate talks with our nation's greatest adversary. And when former President Trump announced his third run for president on Tuesday, he also made remarks on China. Economic security is national security, and that's what it is. We need economic security. That is why we will launch an all-out campaign to eliminate America's dependence on China. We will bring our supply chains, which are a disaster right now. Just ahead, the trial of the Wisconsin Christmas Parade Killer draws to an end. A judge handed down six consecutive life sentences. We have more from yesterday's sentencing just after this break. A city council member from Lumpkin, Georgia, has been charged with impersonating a police officer and more. Nikita C. is accused of conducting an unlawful traffic stop involving three victims on September 30th. And on October 28th, C. was also charged with false imprisonment, stalking, and violation of oath by a public officer related to the same incident. C. bonded out of jail soon after his arrest. No other details about what happened are known at this time. And the trial of the Wisconsin Christmas Parade Killer is drawing to an end. A Waukesha County judge handed down six consecutive life prison terms yesterday, one for each victim killed. This court is imposing a life sentence. Gallery observers applauded that announcement, and the judge added over 1,000 years for reckless endangerment counts. Wisconsin does not have the death penalty. He will not be eligible for parole. During the sentencing, the convicted killer, Daler Brooks, spoke for over two hours, mostly about his mental health. He apologized to victims' families for the first time, but the judge denied his claims of mental illness. She said the four psychologists who evaluated Brooks gave him a diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder, but not a mental illness. Here's what the judge said yesterday. Frankly, Mr. Brooks, no one is safe from you. This community can only be safe if you are behind bars for the rest of your life. We may never know the true why, but we were provided with nothing here today other than a feeble attempt to blame mental health, which frankly does a disservice to those who truly suffer from mental health issues. It's hard not to think about what I watched and not have this reaction. 40-year-old Brooks drove his SUV through a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin last year. He was found guilty by a jury last month on 76 counts related to the attack. He was convicted on six counts of first-degree intentional homicide. One of the victims was an 8-year-old boy. Multiple people were injured. Brooks has a criminal record and was out on bail at the time of the attack. The Milwaukee District Attorney's Office says he should have been in jail at that time and that his $1,000 bond was inappropriately low. In Texas, state lawmakers are introducing a slate of bills aimed at preventing children from seeing drag shows and getting gender transition services. One of the bills would reclassify businesses that permit drag performances as sexually oriented businesses under Texas local government code. Other bills would classify gender transition surgeries for minors as child abuse and ban doctors from performing them. The bills also cover puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. Under these bills, physicians who break the rules could lose their license to practice medicine and it could result in a second-degree felony. The Texas legislature will take up the bills when the next session opens in January. The Uvalde School District in Texas is planning to replace Robb Elementary nearly six months after a school mass shooting. They approved the location and design of the new school yesterday. 
The new school is reportedly set to cost around $50 million and is being funded by donations. Officials hope to complete the construction by October 2024. Robb Elementary School will be demolished. 19 students and two teachers were killed there in the May shooting. The response from law enforcement and the school district was heavily criticized. The Uvalde Moving Forward Foundation was established in the wake of the shooting to collect funding for the construction of a new school. Students, campus staff, district departments, law enforcement, and emergency responders all helped in the design process. Texas-based Huckabee Architects also helped and pledged to do so free of charge. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration is developing a new plan to prevent outbreaks of chronobacter bacteria in instant baby formula. In a statement, the agency said it would review and update the current guidance and rules about how the formula is made in a program called Infant Formula Compliance Program, and it could establish a dedicated group of inspectors as well as increase regulatory oversight. Chronobacter is a germ that can live in very dry places, including in dry foods like powdered infant formula, powdered milk, herbal teas, and starches. While chronobacter infections are rare, they can be deadly in infants. The FDA's plan comes after four babies were hospitalized after consuming powdered infant formula. The bacterial infection may have contributed to two deaths. The FDA is warning companies against selling illegal e-cigarettes that look like toys, food, and cartoon characters. Five firms received a warning for the unauthorized marketing of 15 different products. The products feature youth-appealing characters from TV shows, movies, and video games. They are designed to look like glow sticks, Game Boy devices, and walkie-talkies. Some even imitate foods like popsicles. The FDA says if the companies don't correct the violations, there could be additional actions such as an injunction, seizure, and financial penalties. New Yorkers may have to pay more for their trips in the coming year. The city's cab fares are set to increase by nearly 23 percent by year-end. The decision was passed unanimously this week by the NYC Taxi and Limousine Commission. This marks the first hike in the city's taxi fares in a decade. On top of that, the base rate for cabs is likely to increase from $2.50 to $3. Surcharges during peak periods will increase by over $1. That means under these rises, cab fares from John F. Kennedy International Airport will soar from $52 to $70, while cabs from LaGuardia Airport will include a $5 surcharge. Reasons for the increase range from higher gas prices to inflation and higher driver expenses. The commission hopes the higher prices will incentivize drivers so the supply of taxis can meet riders' demand. Estimates suggest that total driver revenue may increase by 33 percent as fares go up. Airline Frontier is now offering a more affordable way to travel as often as you'd like. It's an annual all-you-can-fly pass called Go Wild. The pass is available for unlimited flights starting in May. It only costs $600 right now, but the pass will cost $2,000 regularly. It automatically renews, but pass holders can cancel at any time. It's good for any destination in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. The pass does have caveats, though, so make sure to read the fine print. For example, it doesn't cover taxes, nor bag or seat fees. Also, most major holidays and long weekends are blacked out, and you won't earn frequent flyer miles with the pass. And still to come, the FBI chief gives the Bureau's first ever warning about TikTok and explains why he's extremely concerned about the popular social media app. And the head of the United Kingdom's top security agency reveals the most pressing threats to the nation. We'll have the details soon when we return. TikTok is facing new scrutiny. For the first time, the FBI chief is voicing what he called his extreme concern over the wildly popular social media app. NTD's Juliet Song has the story. Speaking in a hearing about worldwide threats to America's homeland, the director of the FBI says the agency has national security concerns about TikTok. 
the Chinese-owned app, is one of the most popular of its kind in the U.S., with over 80 million monthly users, most of them teenagers and young adults. But the head of the FBI noted there's a catch. They uh, include the possibility that the Chinese government could use it to control data collection on millions of users or control the recommendation algorithm, uh, which could be used for influence operations if they so chose, or uh, to control software on millions of devices, uh, which gives the opportunity to potentially technically compromise personal devices. Ray's comment is in response to a lawmaker's question. Congresswoman Harshbarger asked, if the FBI considers TikTok a significant national security threat, following a report from Forbes. Forbes and other press reported that TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, planned to use TikTok to monitor the uh, physical location of specific Americans for the purposes of surveilling individual U.S. citizens. Ray said Harshbarger highlighted a very important threat. Under Chinese law, Chinese companies are required to essentially, and I'm going to shorthand here, basically do whatever the Chinese government wants them to in terms of sharing information or, or serving as a tool of the Chinese government. And so that's plenty of reason by itself to be extremely concerned. As for what's being done, Ray said he would give more information in a classified briefing. Responding to Ray's concerns, TikTok told NTD that while it can't comment on the specifics of those confidential discussions, they're confident that they're on a path to fully satisfy all reasonable U.S. national security concerns. Juliet Song, NTD News. A Chinese intelligence officer who was extradited to the United States has been given a 20-year prison sentence. Yen Jun Xu was found guilty earlier this month of leading a ring of Chinese agents that targeted U.S. aviation companies beginning in 2013 or earlier. He was recruiting their employees to travel to China, gathering confidential information from them and leaking it to the Chinese Communist Party. Xu is the first intelligence officer ever to be extradited to the U.S. He has been a state agent since 2003, having risen to the rank of Deputy Division Director at the Chinese Ministry of State Security. Xu pleaded not guilty at the trial, which took three weeks to conclude. Chinese influence operations and Russian aggression. These are concerns expressed by Britain's head of security, but he points to something else as the greatest security threat to the UK. Here's more. The head of the UK security service, Ken McCallum, issued warnings about the activities by Russia and China in his annual update on the threat to Britain on Wednesday. The MI5 boss warned of the very real threats posed by hostile states in an interview after the speech. Alongside all the counter-terrorist work MI5 is doing, we're seeing sharper threats from states, up to and including threats to life in the UK from Iran, the source of Russian aggression that we are all familiar with, and the subtler but stronger pressure gradually being applied by the Chinese Communist Party. The spy chief said Chinese authorities are trying to recruit elite Britons to work for them and to influence MPs and those in public life. So we see, including online in particular, we see many, many, many instances all the time of masked approaches to people, whether they are politicians or researchers in our universities, or chief executives in our corporations, or people running startups, we see a huge volume of online, obfuscated approaches to seek to just begin to build relationships. As for the threats from Russia, McCallum drew on a football analogy to hammer home his concerns. He said Russia thinks nothing of throwing an elbow in the face and routinely cheats to get its way. In Europe, we've seen the expulsion of more than 600 Russian officials. Over 400 of those people we judge are spies. And the removal of such a large number of patiently trained Russian intelligence officers uh, will take the Russian intelligence services, I hope, some years to recover from. But we should not be complacent. McCallum said while rising state threats are a huge challenge, terrorism is still the major concern for the UK. He said the so-called lone wolf terrorists were hard to detect and disrupt. He said terrorism inspired by Islamist ideology still accounts for about three-quarters of MI5's terrorist caseload. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. 
And just ahead, authorities say air defenses in Ukraine are responsible for the missile that struck in Poland. Ukraine has demanded access to the scene of the blast and may now get it. And three Russians and one Ukrainian are on trial for hitting a passenger plane with a missile in 2014. A panel of Dutch judges is due to deliver their verdicts today. More shortly here on NTD News. Ukraine is likely to gain access to the site in southeastern Poland where a missile killed two people. This after Kyiv demanded access to the scene of the blast. The head of Poland's National Security Bureau discussed the situation. All the evidence and material collected by NATO allies by the American side, as well as ours, shows that we are dealing with an S-300 air defense rocket system fired from the Ukrainian side. President Zelensky represents a country at war, a war which today is in its hardest stage when it comes to attacks and airstrikes since its beginning. It is normal that in such conditions some hypothesis that seems obvious from the point of view of the country's defense seems obvious for the head of state. Polish President Andrzej Duda says access to the explosion site would require a condition, namely the agreement of both countries leading the investigation, Poland and the United States. The head of Poland's National Security Bureau also believes that Duda is not opposed to having Ukrainian observers at the scene. Warsaw says the explosion was most likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile that went astray, something Kyiv denies. The Polish prime minister says it's possible that the incident was a result of a provocation from the Russian side. Ukraine will still be able to export grain from its ports in the Black Sea. The Black Sea grain deal was set to expire. Agreement has been reached to extend the Black Sea grains deal. The news came early Thursday. Originally agreed in July, the pact creates a sea corridor for the export of grains from three ports in Ukraine. It's allowed some 11.1 million tonnes of grain to be shipped, alleviating global food shortages. Kyiv says it will now run for another 120 days. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres hailed the move to extend the agreement. He said the UN was also committed to removing obstacles to Russian exports of grains and fertilisers. That's a part of the deal that Moscow sees as critical. Such exports aren't officially affected by Western sanctions, but Russia complains they have been made difficult in practice. A Reuters source says negotiations continue over the country's exports of ammonia, a key ingredient in fertilisers. A UN official said solving the fertiliser crunch should be next on the to-do list. Grain prices fell following news of the extension. Wheat futures dropped over 2.5%, with corn also down. An oil tanker associated with an Israeli billionaire has been struck by a bomb-carrying drone amid heightened tensions with Iran. A Mideast-based defense official said the attack on the Pacific Zircon happened Tuesday night off the coast of Oman. A British military organization in the region told the Associated Press they are aware of the incident and that it's being investigated. The Pacific Zircon is operated by Singapore-based Eastern Pacific Shipping, which is a company ultimately owned by Israeli billionaire Aiden Alfer. In a statement, Eastern Pacific Shipping said the Pacific Zircon had been hit by a projectile about 150 miles off the coast of Oman. And a panel of Dutch judges just delivered the verdicts in the case of the plane that was shot down above Ukraine in 2014. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the potential outcome of the trial. Malaysia Airlines flight MH17 contained 298 people from 16 different countries. All were killed when a missile hit it in July of 2014. Locals from nearby villages still remember the tragedy. I saw something burning and thought, what could it be? But then the woman said that a plane crashed. I thought a Ukrainian military one was shot down. That was my thought. But then I saw people line everywhere and thought probably it was a military transport. Bodies were lying at almost every house. People were lying here and over there in the valley. And the cockpit was here, the forepart, and even the pilots were sitting there in their chairs. The four suspects have not been arrested and are being tried in absentia. So even if they're convicted, they're unlikely to serve any sentence. 
According to Dutch prosecutors, the three Russians and a Ukrainian worked closely together to procure the missile, but they aren't accused of actually firing it. It was allegedly fired from a field in rebel-held territory. At the time, pro-Russian separatists were battling Ukrainian forces in the region. The most important thing is not the verdict itself, but what will happen after it. The fact is, the missile can't move independently without a top-down decision. It means that someone authorized it to move outside of the Russian Federation, and it was a high-ranking military or political chief. The four suspects are charged with causing the crash and murdering all 298 people on board the flight. Prosecutors are seeking life sentences for all four. The trial started in March 2020. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. As of now, the Dutch court has found three of the four main suspects guilty of murder. The fourth man was acquitted. Victims said the ruling is an important milestone, even though the suspects remain fugitives. Moscow has repeatedly denied responsibility for downing the plane. The Russian foreign ministry says it will, quote, examine the Dutch court's opinion. Over to Paris, department store workers crashed a Christmas tree lighting ceremony yesterday. They demanded higher salaries under the historic dome of the Paris department store Galerie Lafayette. The protesters chanted, not happy, not happy, and tooted horns as the store director tried to address journalists. A store spokesperson said they were sorry it happened and added that the protesters didn't reflect, quote, the quality of the company's social dialogue. The protests come as European retailers brace for shoppers to cut spending this holiday season, but the costs of doing business are still high, squeezing profit margins. Retailers in Europe have to strike a delicate balancing act with this year's Christmas displays. They are striving to create enough festive sparkle while also cutting back due to the energy crisis. And still to come, a new brand of electric vehicles is focusing on luxury and speed, but the company is entering an increasingly crowded market. And we'll take you to one of the world's oldest tribunals as they gather for a public forum about the canals in Valencia. The intricate system keeps crops well watered and the tribunal keeps farmers on friendly terms. Stay tuned for more on that when we return. Welcome back. A new EV startup is entering an already crowded market, but this one may have an edge. A former oil trader hired an ex-Lamborghini designer for luxury and speed. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. Tesla paved the way to EV cars nearly two decades ago. According to a Milan-based startup era, what has been missing is a fresh design concept. Aerodynamics have a huge influence on the vehicle in terms of handling, safety, comfort, silence, and overall in terms of sustainability. Because the car being more efficient consumes less, achieving a longer range using less energy. The company is entering an increasingly crowded market. Aero plans to launch its first vehicles in mid-2025. It's what we call the monobody design. So there is kind of a single line that is connecting front and rear. And that's very interesting because I was saying exactly the same for a supercar that I designed in the past. This is not a supercar, but it's keeping this flavor of very, very extreme concept. The cars come with a hefty price tag, $160,000 to $180,000. They are expected to roll out first in the United States and key European markets before expanding to China. The European Union is banning sales of new fossil fuel-burning cars by 2035. Following the announcement, sales of battery-powered cars are going strong. The European Automotive Manufacturers Association reports that's the fuel type that grew the most in the third quarter. It accounts for 12% of the European market. The U.S. market share is slimmer, at around 6%. We think electric vehicles today are too tied to the internal combustion engine tradition of design, of engineering, and we are doing a step change. We believe the shapes that we're introducing maximize the usage of electric platforms that nobody else is is doing at the moment. As interest grows, dozens of new startups are entering a crowded market alongside pioneer Tesla and traditional car makers. 
Andrew Thomas, NTD News. An intricate system of canals irrigates the farmland around Valencia in Spain. They're looked after by the oldest institution of justice in Europe. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. Every Thursday at noon, locals and tourists gather outside the Cathedral of Valencia. When the bell tolls, one of the world's oldest tribunals holds a public forum. They listen to complaints and decide on disputes between farmers. The organization dates back to the time when the Moors occupied most of the Iberian Peninsula. Jose Alfonso Seria Garcia has been president of the tribunal since June 2021. He's serving a two-year term. The tribunal started in the times of the Caliphate of Cordoba, during the reign of Emir Abdel Rahman III over a thousand years ago. Maybe it wasn't a tribunal as we know it today, but it was a tribunal where they talked about the problems the irrigation canal owners had and judged over them. Enrique Aguilar is a local farmer and administrator of one of the canals. He is also the vice president of the Water Tribunal. The Arabs taught us how to do it. They arrived here with what it was back then, state-of-the-art technology, and taught us how to conduct the water and irrigate our farms. They also brought new crops such as tiger nuts, olive trees, and many others. To me, they are the masters of water. Vicente Marti farms a small piece of land. Distrustful of politicians and the government, he is a proud member of the Water Tribunal. I believe in the democracy of the Water Tribunal because I believe it is an institution that supports truth and reality. Its laws may be oral rather than written on paper, but they are respected. I'm very proud to belong to this tribunal. Now, a project is working on digitizing the irrigation system. Once installed, farmers could monitor it through their smartphones. The goal is to achieve a fairer and more accurate distribution of the water. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. How smart can a dog be? After being separated from her owner, a border collie was clever enough to venture into a police station for help. Let's have a look. Rosie was on a walk with her owner, Steve Harper, when she was startled by the sound of fireworks. The border collie ran for cover, only to find herself lost in the British Midlands. But soon she calmed down and headed voluntarily into a local police station. Community officer Fiona Lacey described the curious scene. Really strange. Uh, like I say, it's, dogs don't just wander through. I've never seen a dog wander through into the front inquiry office, especially one that's been spooked by fireworks and it got lost and uh, brought itself to a place of safety. Very, very clever dog. It's not clear if Rosie knew this was the place missing people come for help, but she seemed to know where she was going. She sat in the reception area and waited, as if aware it was only a matter of time before her owners came to pick her up. The police called home, and the Harper family was eventually reunited. It was a big relief. We knew where she was, so I was grateful to the police and for a collar and a tag to let the police know where to send her. Steve Harper joked that Rosie surrendered herself, and the couple was very proud of their dog. Well, I thought she was so clever, and I was pleased that she was uh, not too distressed, and uh, she obviously felt comfortable in the police station. Apparently, running away didn't get Rosie into any trouble, living proof that Border Collies could be one of the smartest dogs around. Coming up, a Qatar-based engineer has earned the nickname Dr. Cool. His new technology will keep World Cup fans cool no matter how hot the temperature outside the stadium becomes. Details to come on NTD News Today. The Bonneville Salt Flats is the perfect surface for daredevil speed racers, but the layer of salt is deteriorating. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on this natural wonder. Racers use the Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah as a racetrack to set land speed world records. Water remains in some parts, but elsewhere it's dried out. Here, the landscape is flat, except for a layer of salt crystals formed by cycles of flooding and evaporation. Bonneville Salt Flats is one of the most unique things in the world. It, it's, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's on a caliber with the Arches uh, Park because it's the only place in the world you can do this. 
but the fragile landscape has thinned by roughly one-third in the last 60 years, making it less reliable for racers. Speed Week events scheduled for this fall were canceled. Our salt flats at one time, the racetrack was 13 miles long. Now, if we can find five miles of good track and two miles of shutdown, we're excited. The crust keeps tires cool at high speeds and provides an ideal surface for racing, unless seasonal flooding fails to recede or leaves behind an unstable layer of salt. After three decades of examining the salt flats in Utah, nothing has slowed the deterioration. But a new study could help find a solution. The Utah Geological Survey is spearheading a $1 million research project. Scientists are gathering data to understand the factors that affect preserving the salt flats, including climate change, racing, repaving, and a mine on the site. We can try to do some fixes, um, but it might be trying to put a band-aid on like a scar or like a, a huge wound. Like we need to understand what's happening so we can make the best recommendations that are gonna work in terms of the long term. The causes and solutions are under investigation, but all involved say that the landscape is a jewel worth preserving. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. At the World Cup, the action will continue no matter how hot the temperature gets. An engineer nicknamed Dr. Cool is the mastermind behind new technology to help the stadium stay cool. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. Dr. Cool, or Saad Ghani, says the average person gives off roughly the same heat as two laptops. Then there's the weather. And at the same time, we are breathing, we are sweating, and we're cooling ourselves by sweat. So we put a lot of moisture in that environment. So I cannot put 40,000 people, which is roughly 80,000 laptops, in a space for four hours without giving them a sort of ventilation. The technology uses a combination of insulation and spot cooling. Cooling only takes place where people are located, with the stadium acting as a barrier to hold in a cool bubble. Cooled air comes in through thousands of vents under spectator seats and large nozzles on the sidelines. Using an air circulation technique, cooled air is then drawn back, recooled, filtered, and pushed out. When we talk about air conditioning, by the way, it's a conditioning of air, not only temperature. So we are purifying that air, uh, recycling that air. So it's not about temperature, it's about humidity, it's about um, air pollutant control. Ghani also studied decades of meteorological data. We looked at the weather file for Doha for the last 30 years and how the wind infiltration of wind will, in, and will interact with the stadium and where I wanted to uh, put that cold air and, and form that bubble and keep it there. Ghani says the energy-efficient cooling system can make open-air stadiums usable even in summer, when temperatures soar well over 100 degrees. We're not bound by just winter. We can, we can run these stadiums to a thermally controlled bubble of around, for your viewers to understand it, between 20 to 21 degrees C, no matter what is the temperature outside, you know, a higher 40s. That means the bubble is at 68 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. The 2022 FIFA World Cup runs from November 20th through December 18th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Sesame seeds are an ancient medicinal food that has been used for centuries, and researchers are now discovering why. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. Sesame is one of the oldest cultivated plants in the world. It has been prized as an oil seed for at least 5,000 years. Sesame is favored for its exceptionally high calcium and magnesium content. This makes it a potent medicinal food. Over the last 20 years, numerous studies have revealed over 100 potential therapeutic applications. Here are just five of them. A study was published in the Clinical Journal of Nutrition. It showed that sesame oil improved the effectiveness of the oral anti-diabetic drug in type 2 diabetic patients. A study was published in the Yale Journal of Biology and Medicine. It showed that sesame seed oil had a beneficial effect in hypertensive patients on either diuretics or beta blockers. 
Sesame seed oil has been used for oral health for thousands of years in Ayurveda. They use it in a process known as oil pulling. It involves swishing sesame seed oil in the mouth for prolonged durations. It has been said to prevent tooth decay, halitosis, bleeding gums and dry throat. It also strengthens the teeth, gums and jaw. A study was published in the Indian Journal of Medical Research. It showed that massaging infants with sesame oil improved both their growth and sleep. Sesame has been studied for its ability to inhibit the proliferation of a wide range of cancer cells, including leukemia, colon cancer, prostate cancer, breast cancer, pancreatic cancer, and lung cancer. Sesame deserves to be recognized along with garlic, honey, and turmeric. It's an easily accessible food medicine that, if consumed regularly, could quite possibly save lives. A new film titled Devotion tells the true story of Jesse L. Brown, the first African-American pilot in the U.S. Navy who flew and fought during the Korean War. Starring Jonathan Majors as Brown, the film is based on the novel Devotion, an epic story of heroism, friendship, and sacrifice by Adam Makos. It explores Brown's friendship with his wingman, Tob Hudner, played by Glenn Powell. Powell, who shot to fame earlier in the year in Top Gun Maverick, is also an executive producer on the film. The incredible part is all the things that I got to learn on Top Gun from Tom Cruise in terms of all the aerial flying, all the technology that it requires to pull something like this off. We got to use all of that knowledge, Tom Cruise, 40 years in filmmaking, and we got to put it into this movie. It's quite rare where you, you get to a script and you finish it and you go, oh man, this is my hero. You know, so in addition to everything he's done, how he did it became um, a template. You know, as you said, as a man, on, on how to move forward. You know, how to how to love more, how to be a better citizen, how to be a better partner, how to be a better father. Brown's family attended the premiere in Westwood. His granddaughter Jessica Knight Henry said, "Quote: It's amazing. It's timely. It's so needed." Devotion hit cinemas on November 23rd. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.